Germans he might kill. There was nothing any of them could do that would guarantee that they would make it back home and not end their days in the dust of the desert. And he wondered how many of them would have to die before the Lord of Battles granted them their victory. Chapter 2 2 p.m. Just behind the Allied front line. Captain Hugh Samwell. He'd been lying in this position for almost eight hours now and one thing was abundantly clear. Soon, no matter what happened, he was going to have to take a piss. The hated order had come through the previous evening, and issuing it to the men had been an onerous task. Strictly no movement after dawn. It had produced a predictable collective groan. Even more predictably, some wag had yelled, Lucky dawn! The CSM had cautioned him, but there were no charges on the eve of battle. And anyway, thought Samwell, that sort of thing was good for morale. Besides, sending up army speak was a field sport. But for all the levity, Samwell and every man in his platoon knew that when the army said strictly, it meant it. No movement. He wondered whether their people at home would even hear about that, would ever really understand what it actually meant. He shifted again and eased the cramp in his leg. His bladder felt like a football about to burst. Looking around the slit trench for the tenth, perhaps the twentieth time, he saw nothing that might act as a makeshift urinal. Then suddenly it came to him. The water bottles. Samwell dug gingerly around in his pack, which lay between his legs, and after a while his hand alighted on a familiar glass shape. It was an old whiskey bottle, one of two he had retrieved at the mess and filled with water. Reluctantly he opened it. His dry mouth ached for a drink, but he realised that even the movement of raising the reflective bottle to his lips might attract the attention of an enemy observer. He reverted to his first thought, and taking care not to make any conspicuous movement, managed to get it on its side and gently let the contents run out. The noise brought fresh torment to his aching bladder. He urged the water out. Come on, come on, empty you bugger. Finally, when he thought that enough had gone, he managed to manoeuvre the bottle towards his trousers, and unbuttoning his fly, carefully positioned himself until he was just inside the neck. The relief was palpable, a feeling without parallel in his memory. For a moment, as he buttoned up and stowed the full bottle deep in the sand of the trench, Samwell was conscious of the absurdity of it all. Here he was, a grown man, an officer in a proud Highland regiment, lying on his back in a hole in the desert, with his dick inserted into a bottle. He almost laughed out loud, but managed to stifle that. War was like that, he thought, so unnatural that it was bound to create situations which even an artist or poet would find hard to imagine. Much of it was farcical, and thank God for that. They had all learned to laugh in the face of death. He took out the book he had just received in the post, they die with their boots clean. It was a novel about the Coldstream Guards. Its title hardly seemed to make it appropriate reading for the circumstances, but his wife knew only too well that he liked to read, and he thought of her kindness in sending it to him. He reached inside his battle dress and took out the precious photograph that had come with the book of his wife and their two small children. Alan was three now, and little Inga only two. He looked closely at his wife, his darling Clara, took care to take in the lines of her face and her eyes, those deep blue eyes. 
Oh, my darling Clara, he murmured silently, why did your countrymen have to make this war on us? His wife came from Cologne. He had met her there before the war, and they had married quickly, two young people hopelessly in love. They had thought that at first they might settle in her hometown. His German was passable, and there were opportunities for talented engineers in the new Germany, Hitler's Germany. But Clara had seen what was coming and wanted no part in it, so they had settled in Scotland, in a modest house in Dalmorglan Park in Stirling, a quiet residential cul-de-sac of new homes. Samwell had had a good job before the army took him. Not bad at thirty-one to be a managing director. His company, Scottish Radio Industries in Denny, was a relatively new business, producing wireless sets, but it was expanding and seemed to have a bright future. And the workers were a good bunch. Solid, dependable types with a keen work ethic.